in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Chad Robinson from right here in the Steel City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How you doing, sir? I am doing well, still mushroom-free. <laughs> and our text chain between a lot of our friends, uh, it has come to surface again. I've known this about Chad for a long time. He is anti-mushroom. He's yes. he does not take the chance like in Super Mario if it makes you big or if it or if it's a poison mushroom. He takes no chances. He he just says no to mushrooms. So, um, true. yes, perhaps to somebody who's more pro mushroom. I don't know if not Lizzie Haynes from Louisville, Kentucky. I uh, I will say for me personally, after watching The Last of Us, I'm going to think twice before eating mushrooms. So I think you're on to something, Chad. That's a good call. Yes. But I'm doing well. We are all sick in the Haynes household, every single one of us. And uh, my oldest son just went down for the count today. So mm-hmm. I am relieved that everybody is in bed. And now we can talk about some movies. Wow. Wow. That's uh, it, I feel like we're cutting to the time of the year where we feel we're owed to not deal with that anymore, but it, it's, you're still in it. So that's no fun. Uh, Spring it, it's can't going come fast enough. I'm the only healthy one in my household right now as well. So, um, you won't get it through the, uh, through your headphones. So we're not contagious. I promise you. So, but what is contagious is our love of movies. So today we have a, <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. You like that? That's, that's a, good one. That's a I transition. Do. I do. What a transition. Yeah. Today we're going to be doing a movie though that involves dinner. And I want to know, you guys, what is your favorite restaurant to do dinner at a movie when you go to the theater? Chad. We just had this. So my wife and I got a date night. Grandparents swooped in and took my daughter, had an overnight. It was wonderful. We went and had hibachi because the fire in the show scares my daughter. She also doesn't like anything that they serve, and it's very expensive to even serve her noodles. So that was a great time for us on a date night. And then we went to see a movie. Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. I have to admit, I was uh, growing up, I dated, I never liked Asian cuisines and hibachi was my gateway into it. You just dazzle me with show presents and I'll eat whatever you've got at that point. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Lizzie, how about you? My husband took us to this place called Game. It's a local spot in Louisville that has all different kinds of meat and so they've got like bison nachos and all different kinds of chorizo sausages. And just as you, as you would expect, it's like you've walked into Gaston's Tavern and Beauty and the Beast. And there's just like <laughs> wild taxidermied animals. It's a little crazy. PETA definitely would not approve. But the food is unbelievable. And it's a really, really fun local spot. So that was probably the last place that we went out to dinner to just do like dinner and a movie aside from that we're kind of like eat at the theater type of people okay okay 
A sneak it in through your coat. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. We have been known to do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not proud. I'm not proud. I could. I, I could I, I've known Aaron's to do this. Fa- my husband's favorite story about me is I cannot lie. And back when theaters they had to up security for lots of unfortunate acts that were going on in the theater, I snuck a bunch of stuff in my purse. And someone asked me if I would open up my bag, and I looked at them and I panicked, and I just go, "I have snacks in here." <laughs> like Like, you've got me I have food in here um she's like that's not what we're looking for man it's fine just keep walking (laughs) so yes I have been known to sneak but I will confess if I if I get caught all right and uh Chad you know this one well here in Pittsburgh there's a regional chain of uh, burger restaurants named Burgatory, and they locate themselves very conveniently next to all the movie theaters around so it pairs well Uh, they make terrific burgers so uh if you're in pittsburgh i recommend you try them out maybe not the best burger in town but a very good one yeah delicious milkshakes yes and what is your last movie that you saw chad well we went to the drive-in which sounds like a relic of yesteryears but i love it and we saw the new shazam movie and i like it it is not doing well in the theaters i like the franchise it's just it's fun and it's different. It's not that dark DC movie that we're used to. It's it's light and it's funny and I had a good time. I'm not an expert on this, but I think March is not a lively time of the year to release a movie of this nature. So I think that doesn't help you. Like in the box office returns. Four years after their original and it's an unfamiliar property. I don't think any of that helps. Probably true. It's Let's great. See. What's your last movie you saw? We saw Scream 6 in theaters. And as Chad knows, this was a very much anticipated movie for me. It did not disappoint. I loved it. I need to continue with this. I've only seen the first one. So I did the rest of the I know. It's my favorite franchise of all time. Not just horror. Of all time. I love, love Scream. My girlfriend's got me this big sweatshirt that has ghost face on it with a phone that's like, no, you hang up. And and I, of course, I went sporting that and I took a picture in front of, I mean, I'm like a mega fan. I don't geek out that much about movies to the point where I would go to conventions and things, but that's like on my list. That's bucket list for me. Nice. Uh, I sat through a screen panel, horribly worried that I was going to get nothing but adverse, uh, um, spoilers, but luckily they really did talk largely about the first movie. We, talk, we talked about that in the last one. We did mention that Jamie Kennedy ruined Scream 2 for you. I, I, I somehow missed it or I, I I did literally like plug my ears at moments when I knew something was coming so I, I, I effectively shielded myself as hard as that is in a fanboy convention. So uh, well, yep. Whenever your household is feeling better, we will marathon this. Yeah. Uh, yes. Jamie Kennedy was there. Nev Campbell, she was there. She's a charming lady. Yes, um, she was a delight. Yes, and um, I want to say Chris Duran, the yep. original go- Ghostface. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, my last movie that I saw was Captain Phillips from 2013, and I've got to say, the captain now. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not the captain. No, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> But I, I will say this movie way exceeded my expectations. When it came out at the time, I was like, mm, I don't know. There's a boat, some pirates hop on it. 
I don't know that I need to see this. And uh, it is very good. I will say I, w- I stand corrected. I get the praise that it receives. It's exciting. I didn't expect it to be so exciting. So, yeah, pirates are fun. These aren't the fun kind of pirates, though. No, Somali pirates. Yeah, yeah. They're not the kind of pirates who want to know why the rum is gone and uh, these things. So, yes. yes. Um, now, today's movie is What Chad? This is my dealer's choice. So from 1981, My Dinner with Andre. All right. My Dinner with Andre stars Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn. It comes out in 1981 with a budget of a meager little budget of $475,000. Didn't know you could make a movie for that little. In the this 80s. is consistent with my dealer's choices. <laughs> they had like no money. Uh, it grosses $5.25 million domestically. So that's a very good return. That's not like a great return on the year. So it's not ranking real high, but I mean, on return on an investment very strong it was praised by the critics to be honest with you ebert and siskel both gave it two enthusiastic thumbs up and praised it as some of their better movies for that respective year the number one movie in 1981 in case you're wondering was indiana jones raiders of the lost ark and check out our 67th episode where we covered that so my dinner with andre gets a 7.7 on imdb the critics of rotten tomatoes as i mentioned they love this movie 92 percent and the audience score is 85%. So now, also, it does get the Boston Society of Film Critics Awards. It wins two of them for Best Screenplay and the Best Film of 1981. So, Chad, this is not a company you often see yourself in, agreeing with the critics, but uh, did how did you take this movie? Are you, are, you, are you becoming a critic before our eyes now? No, no. Maybe 1981's critics were better than the current batch of critics that are just basically praising Oscar bait movie. But yeah, this, this is a movie that I feel like we've danced around for at least two years. It's come up in various conversations, screenplay like movies, love 12 angry men. And so I finally just said, I'm going to pull the trigger and we are going to do this movie. The serendipitous part of this is our our episode of Waiting for Guffman specifically mentions this movie, and it was just it was fun timing. This is not planned, so yeah, I love Wall Sean. Got to hear him speak. I was telling Lizzie about that. He is fascinating to hear, almost kind of lecture you about about his life and his methodology. And this is I. I still don't know what to make of this film. There's nothing else like it. Do you it, want an action figure of of dinner with Andre action figures like in Waiting for Guffman? I would absolutely buy a My Dinner with Andre playset. That is fantastic. <laughs> All right, Lizzie, had you seen My Dinner with Andre before? No, this was my very first viewing. And I have made a habit of if I have not heard of it, I don't watch the trailer. I just press play. This is no different. And I can't imagine what the trailer for this movie would be like. How do you sell this? <laughs> I don't even know. I feel like I should go back and watch the trailer just out of pure curiosity. <laughs> but this movie was, I mean, I knew obviously based on the title, there was going to be a dinner. And I had heard of the movie in the sense that it was like a philosophical movie. But I still, I don't think any, I think even if you had told me the premise, I still don't think anything could have quite prepared me for this movie. It's just such, 
honestly, it's like a quiet juggernaut all on its own. Like it just is its own unique piece. And so it, um, I'm kind of with Chad. I, I think as far as did I like it, did I not like it? I kind of a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to be right there with you guys. I wish I could be more decisive, but I saw this one for the first time myself. And the first time I watched it, I was like, what did I just watch? And <laughs> like, how am I going to talk about this for 90 minutes was my first thought. <laughs> yeah, right. You're welcome. <laughs> but I went back and I watched it again. And I do think that there's a lot of interesting talking points and thinking points about it. It's, there's more to the movie than meets the eye. I'm glad I gave it a second spin. I wouldn't normally if I weren't doing it for the show. I think my review would have been a lot more negative had I not done that. So uh, I, one of the blessings that this show gives me is to just give a movie more of a chance or to look at it deeper than I might just get as merely passing by for the first time. So I think Ebert was asked at a dinner, if someone said, is there a movie that you can think of that, you know, most avoids cliches? And he said, uh, most devoid of cliches. And he said, I thought for a moment and I answered my dinner with Andre. So uh, that's, true there is nothing like this you both mentioned that or ahead of time so i'm eager to talk to you about it maybe i'll figure out how i feel about it <laughs> <laughs> but there will be spoilers that lie ahead and we will be back after these messages welcome to the all 80s movies podcast i'm bill and I'm Jason, and this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. Chad, we are back and for those who haven't seen My Dinner with Andre since 1981, Chad, do you want to refresh their memories? Sure, I'll do my best. This is about a struggling playwright named Wally. He's dreading dinner with his old theater buddy, Andre, who abandoned directing, and he goes on to have an extended midlife crisis. So over the next hour and a half, Andre regales Wally with fantastical and often geographically inaccurate tales of his travels, searching for greater meaning in life. Wally listens intently, but clearly disagrees with Andre's conclusions. Wally finds meaning in simple things, like a cup of cold coffee with no cockroaches, or in an electric blanket. The two friends conclude their dinner and part on good terms. Wally takes a cab home and reminisces about the places he visited in his youth. He then tells his girlfriend, Debbie, all about his dinner with Andre. Short and sweet. Well, uh, unlike anything that Andre says, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, those uh, those absolute soliloquies. I have to imagine while he's reading that script, he's like, "How long is this story?" Flipping page after page after page. Like we do what? There's more. <laughs> Lizzie, 
Is Andre somebody you would want to go to dinner with? So the first 20 minutes of this movie, I would have answered absolutely not. Like 100%, I have zero interest. Because I have to be honest, our only context when we watch this movie is, or when the movie opens, is that Wally's going to go to dinner with Andre. The only prior context that we have is that Andre was a once successful playwright who fell off the this you know the metaphorical stage of New York City and that his friend George is like hey maybe you should check up on him he's not doing too hot and then when he's doing great my thinking was wow this guy is full of bs like mm-hmm. what is like this is he's this all an act and he's actually you know going to hit Wally up for money like where is this going and i'm into the idea of wanting to share everything about what he did in Poland and then while, well, you know, going to meet with Buddhist monks and, you know, in the Sahara Desert. And I'm interested in all of that to an extent, but it, I did reach a point where I had to ask myself, where is this going? Where is this going? And my interest was not peaked until Andre finally arrived at his very long-winded point of the idea that he says it so perfectly if you're just living habitually you're not really living and then from there the whole conversation takes an entire pivot and we're not talking about his own experiences anymore now we're truly talking about how we should be living and the human condition and that Andre I could get into maybe like after a couple of drinks it's like two o'clock in the morning, you know, you're like sitting by a fire and like having one of those like really intense chats that guy could be into for sure. Okay. Yeah. You got to get a couple of quail into him. Yeah. You have to get some quail into him. I'm like, okay, now that we're done, I mean, I'm, I appreciate that you had 40, 40 men and women and all the, the cool. And I, I want to hear all the stories, but at a certain point, I just want to get to the crux of who you are and kind of what your agenda is with this dinner. And once it took a turn and now they're getting into more philosophical conversations, that was a lot. My interest was peaked finally after that. Yeah. And did you find yourself identifying more with one of them? I think they're both right and they're both wrong. I think that to me, the two of them are the hyperbolic opposite versions of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. So the to summarize Ecclesiastes, it's basically like life is really hard and really awful, but at the same time, it has really beautiful moments that you can find. So because life is really hard and really awful, we should savor the really amazing moments and just praise God for them. And to me, that kind of felt like a little bit at what they're both grabbing at. You know, Andre is like, we have to live in the moment. You're you're, these people were zombies and we're just living day by day. We're creatures of habit. And we're not actually challenging ourselves or really thinking or living. But then at the same time, thinking about how where Wally's coming from too, of feeling like purpose is important. We need to have purpose and being happy in the little pleasures of a cup of coffee that doesn't have a cockroach in yes. it. <laughs> and like I think, I think they're both they're both right and they're both wrong. And I, I think it's okay to find joy in the little things in life. And it's okay to to be ha- – I think sometimes that's where you find the most joy is in the little smile that you get when you change your kid's diaper or, you know, the little tiny things that can really spark joy in you. But I think also 
it's very easy to fall into this state of kind of just going through the motions. And I think, so Andre is also correct in the fact that in our marriage, you know, are we in a marriage? Are we actually happy with each other or are we just glorified roommates? And all of his points about how we should be constantly striving to challenge ourselves, they're they're both right, I think. I love your point because I'd, I'd literally written as well that Andre's discussion, they reminded me exactly of the book of Ecclesiastes. It's my favorite book in the Bible. And the theme over and over depending on your translation, is meaningless, meaningless, or vanity, vanity. And here's a man, Solomon, had everything he could ever want, wisdom, power, money, women, and he declares it all meaningless. And I, that's what I was hearing with Andre, too, is I, I'm going through all these weird experiences. I'm doing all these very strange things. I carried a flag with a swastika. Don't do that. <laughs> around... And I, it may have been haunted. It was a haunted flag. And I found no meaning. And it just, it depressed me because to Lizzie's point with Ecclesiastes, it's like you won't find meaning under the sun. The meaning is is with God, with faith. Uh, for different people, it's going to be different things. But Andre didn't have something to latch on to. And it made me sad. It made me very, very sad. And so I... Russell was laughing at me before we got to this episode. He's like, you're Wally. And, and there's no doubt. <laughs> I, I am Wally. I, I am looking at Andre like you were an annoying Reddit poster. Like that is, that is who you are where he's just, I met a Swedish physicist who no longer watches television because it's turning him into a robot. Like you are a pretentious tool and I just want you <laughs> to stop trying to impress me and tell me who you are. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think Chad would have gotten angry and said things way before Wally does. <laughs> He's putting down Wally all the time and yes. I like there's subtle little jabs even talking about those that eat and Wally had quail in his mouth. He was eating and they pause. He's taking these little shots and denigrating him. Yeah, Wally uh Wally puts up with a lot and he is amazingly attentive with he, just he is. he is motivated he is motivated because he needs money yeah they, they were very blatant that you know he said like in the beginning i cared about art and theater and all these wonderful things but now all i think about is money and i had to go here because you know my my wife was she has to work another job and i mean he is really tight in a very expensive city of new york and so uh he he's kind of desperate. He would like, he'd like to have this guy help break him through in some ways. This, he actually was good friends with him at one point. So it's interesting. I can't really think of a friendship that I've had where somebody turned so dramatically. And I honestly do. I as well have trouble relating to Andre because um, I maybe I'm not hit the certain age, but I have a hard time relating to the concept of like this midlife crisis where you just I'm going to go travel the world and leave my family behind and all this stuff. And, and this real panicking moment of, I guess, mortality that were you, are you that unhappy with your life's decisions that have led you to this point? So your midlife crisis was starting a podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) he's definitely self-aware in the sense that he says like, you know, you can find what I was looking for. You can find it in a quiet room. I couldn't like I had to go out and yeah. excuse me I had to go out and travel and 
do all the things so, th so that I could get there. So I do think at least to Andre's credit, he's self-aware enough to know that he's chasing something that he hasn't quite been able to find. And where I think Wally could benefit from Andre is they have this conversation where Wally is saying how he thinks purpose is really important. And while I do agree with him, he lost me when he said that he can't sit still because to me, someone who can't sit quietly, that is indicative that there's a restlessness within that can only really kind of going all the way back to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like you got to get your mind right. To me, that's if, yeah. if you're you know, North Star isn't pointed at something grounding like your faith, then you are always going to have that restless feeling where no matter what kind of success he gets, no matter how many clean cups of coffee with zero cockroaches in it or what he might accumulate, it's never going to quite feel like it's enough because we will all have moments of quiet that we're going to have to sit with. And that's really where the truth lies. So I think Wally could benefit from Andre a little bit and trying to find ways to be a little bit more comfortable with just resting and just being, I suppose. But yeah, I just, I think they both have their such polar opposites. So to hear them interact with one another and respectfully disagree, but then part ways, it was, it was fascinating for sure. See, Russell, I thought you might be able to connect with Andre a little bit more because he is connected to an architect, although a weird one. And he has a weird obsession. He says he feels like Hitler's architect, Alfred Speer. That's a very strange thing. And then he, but he probably lost you at this. He mentions a children's author designed a building. So apparently, you know, your, your years of schooling at Tennessee completely went to waste. You should have just written a children's book and then designed a building. They'll just let you do that. And then he goes, architects don't know why it works, but it works. It's like, no, no, that's architect's job is to know why something works. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll give Andre credit. As a storyteller, he can go uninterrupted for as long as he does with warmth and enthusiasm for the first part of the movie. Now, it wears on you. Like, I think yeah. if you've ever talked to somebody, how is your trip to wherever? Hawaii, Africa, whatever. That person is so psyched about it. They will talk your ear off about it for the next three hours. The slideshows. That's yeah. out of date. It's not a thing anymore, but the slideshows of family yeah. vacations. Yeah, it, it, it does wear on you. I mean, it's one of those things that you do for your closest friends and family, and you're sitting there going like, wow, it looks like you had a great time. And they even have their little stories about what happened on the trip. It's like, you know, do you remember what happened there? It's like, I, you, you told me, but it's one of those things where you had to be there kind of things. <laughs> and, and many of his stories, it is. It is. That's the pretentious part of Andre that's so hard to deal with so i'm with you lizzie i i was pretty checked out uh, uh, i don't know what minutes how many minutes of movies i was uh, into it but i was sitting there going like it wasn't until it became a conversation between andre which is and him. 54 minutes before yes. wally gets to speak yes it, it, it feels like it to be honest with you I, I i've seen people say that this movie just flies by i i would not I would not say that. I think it's back. I think it's backloaded, and I like a lot of backloaded movies. So that's not that's not that's not a total knock. But if you're not prepared, Andre Andre lost me the first time, and I was like, 
I was very much done with him. So much so that I didn't even see the points that he had at one point. I was like, yay, electric blankets. I mean, anything that this guy <laughs> says is trash. I don't. <laughs> and I will admit, like, to your point, Lizzie, once he started saying, like, is that even living when you have this hollow, like, existence and you're just floating through life? I'm sitting there going, like, okay, that's a good point, but I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> see, he's a. He's a detailed oriented person and I'm going to make an unfavorable comparison to my lovely, lovely wife who I'm, I'm used to these types of regaling stories. I can't take these stories by the way. She, not, not, not Sarah's stories, but just every detail. She, she views details as very important and it paints a picture for you. So she will tell me instead of just, I went to the store, she will tell me what was going through her mind and what the weather was like and how many people were in front of her and that they were out of avocados or ripe avocados and all these other details that she feels is important to get to the conclusion of, I just came home with milk. Whereas I would say, Hey, here's the milk. And it, it's just, I, I, I'm used to this kind of detail oriented storytelling. It was just the other, other things that he's kneeling Wally with of, Hey, Everyone should go to Everest. And well, he's like, not everyone has $10,000 to do it. So yeah. they've got to go now. Like, Dude. And he just, he gets really out there. Absolutely no one addresses the line of, he says Nazi demons. Why? When someone, if someone in the middle of our conversation of otherwise somewhat normal things, yeah, there were some weird things that happened, haunted flag and all. But if someone utters the phrase Nazi demons, I'm stopping the conversation. Like, elaborate. You got to, back up Nazi demons explain and Wally's just I don't know if he's checked out but he's like whatever I'm gonna let that go I you had sent it to me before we ever watched this Chad but it's not that far back now that uh, Kyrie Irving and Kanye West both got in trouble for anti-semitic thoughts particularly Kanye West was very blatant yes. with his and so there's a very funny YouTube clip called my dinner with Kanye and it superimposes Wallace Shawn sitting across the dinner listening, not to, listening to Kanye West's things of which I will not repeat on the show oh at all gosh. but then having Wallace Shawn's disbelief on his face of like hmm, why do you think that is <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this has some of that too, though. We've got Andre saying he feels like a Jew in the 1930s being told to get out. It's like, please don't say that. It wasn't okay in 1980. It's not okay now. Someone yeah. step in and be like, hey, dude, your plight of an out-of-work playwright by choice is not comparable to 1930s Jews in Germany. Yeah, Really cringy moments there, for sure. I think Andre had potential to be more interesting to me when, uh, so like he's actually good at what he does, but he's so turned his back on that. I mean, uh, Grotowski is a Polish player or sorry, Polish theater director and theorist who changed the way acting is approached. And he's, he's clearly got, this is his mentor. Like he's starting to connect to interesting things. And as you start to read the creative side of him and then he turns his back on that. So that's another thing that I'm really passionate about what I do. And so I could only imagine sitting there, sitting across from somebody who's really engaged, perhaps from a designer, from a creative standpoint, and to sit there and say, it felt all really hollow to me and stuff like that. When in reality, I do identify with Wallace Shawn. He's, he likes it so much that he's, he's starving to do it. There's more yeah. lucrative ways of doing it. He could just go get a job at 
a number of places, but this is what he wants to do. He's choosing to create uh, at great cost to him and to have somebody who made it turn their back on it. And as you mentioned, Chad, it's, it's a backhanded moment for Wally to be able to sit there and take, I get why he was dreading coming to it, to the dinner. In addition to just, he's really weird and he's, yeah. he'd been, he'd been warned. So the frustrated rant from Wally just screamed Russell though, where he's ranting about a fortune cookie. Someone. Oh yes. He's just like, this is no different than a fortune cookie. I'm like, yeah, that, that is a Russell argument right there. <laughs> you, you have found meaning in a fortune cookie. Why? Why? This magazine article written 40 years prior was not written just for the narcissistic Andre to find with the weird handprints that all had an A involved with them. He pulled me back a little bit when he just, you guys mentioned he was real and he said, I've been dead for 18 years. I haven't felt anything for 18 years. And that's that's a difficult relation point for me. I, I've been open with this. I, I have suffered, been diagnosed with clinical depression. I feel everything very, very strongly. Most of the times there's like dead periods where I can't feel anything, but 18 years, no. No, most of the time it's super high, super low, somewhere in between. And so for someone to just say, I'm doing all this crazy stuff because I can't feel anything. Like That's interesting. I wish he led with that of, hey, I'm dead inside. I think he has this false persona up to impress people at dinner conversations or think it's impressive. And it takes him that long to get vulnerable. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think he wants to earn their respect first before he goes in with his, what he – to him probably feels like a bomb drop of I don't feel anything inside and I think I'm more or less a zombie in the same way that everybody else is. I think that he he wants to feel like he's respected first, I think maybe so it softens the blow, perhaps. Hmm. Yeah. So apparently some people believe that Gregory and Sean have said that they are playing themselves and that they're playing characters with their own names, yes. But yes. When asked about it, they said they uh, this is not necessarily the case. These characters are not. They may have pieces of them in their writing, but this is not necessarily who they are. So don't don't expect to go actually up to uh, Andre Gregory and get your ear talked off. Thank goodness. Um, and um, but uh, and Wallace Shawn, I can attest when you see him uh, in person, he's not exactly what you're expecting. He's uh, he's he's a far far more thoughtful, intellectual type individual than his goofy. Uh, roles that he often takes he is um he's not just rex from toy story and uh and you know from princess bride the the goofy these are things we love him for by the way though yes yes he was the principal in clueless yes 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 so uh it's interesting they said if they ever were to make it again they would switch roles i i couldn't see wally in that in that role. I, I just don't think that, I don't think he has, he lacks the enthusiasm and the kind of eccentric personality that I think would be necessary to portray Andre. I think he, I, I definitely believe that he's a intellectual man, but I think that that's kind of what makes him work so much for Wally. Cause I mean, Wally's 
just because Wally isn't climbing Everest doesn't mean he's stupid. I think his argument is very sound in finding meaning in small purposes and the little joys in life. He's just a very intellectual kind of by the book guy. And that just, I, I think that works way better for just Wallace's like overall personality and I have to say also like aesthetic like he's just kind of like this lovable little nerd and I just mm-hmm. I just don't he, think that he's I can, five foot zero he's a little he's a little grumpy Jewish man that's I just you're saying there's no way I around that him coming in and being like you are never gonna believe this I went I was yeah. lowered down into a grave and then they put right. of wood on top of me I just don't I don't see him being able to deliver that enthusiastically I don't. Th- I don't think he could have the pretentious nature of uh, saying, you know, they they grew trees there that did not grow in the island, and they and they yeah. could get the bugs to just go away by asking them to kindly remove themselves from the plants. <laughs> it's like I can't see Wallace Shawn delivering these lines. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like not in earnest. It would be more comedic the cadence and just the tenor of his voice where it cracks and and goes up and down. I think it would be very funny of him saying lines like, things just rarely go haywire now. Yes. Like him talking about Mar- Marlon Brando and the chaos introduced uh, by the acceptance of the Oscar by the Native American woman. Uh, if he's talking about Pan the Fawn, it would all sound, it would be funnier, but I that's not really what you want with Andre. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I I do think back to, this reminded me, one of the first shows we did was Sleuth. And we did a comparison of the 70s version of Sleuth with the O's version of Sleuth. And there you have Michael Caine, who plays the young man in the first movie, and then he plays the older man in the, in the newer version, and Jude Law plays the younger man. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing when the same actor literally changes position in a two-man kind of movie, which, by the way, Sleuth is outstanding. Do watch mm-hmm. the one with the Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine the old one first it's it's amazing but it's really interesting to see what kenneth Branagh did with the new version i i would like to see my dinner with andre revisited and just see what just it's an interesting experiment it worked for sleuth and granted the first one's much better i think the first one would be better but because they both said they'd want to do it i don't know if they you never know if this is said in joke joking but uh i i'd be into it or a play performance of it. Why not? Oh, definitely a, a play. I, this would be easy to do. I thought it started out as a play, and Wallace Shawn said, no, this was always a movie. It was not meant for theater like that, but it would be an easy transition. Yeah, I'm actually shocked to hear that. I am, It really had play energy, so I had assumed that it was a play first. Yeah, and Andre Gregory had been away from acting in theater for a long time and this was him getting back to it so he's like a natural fit for it in that regard so there's a little shred of him there yeah. and sean knew gregory and wanted to tell this story and even working with a biographer at one point he suggested develop a story consisting of a conversation just between the two of them intent and coming from their contrasting personalities and anecdotes so it, it is these two guys uh, it, it wasn't yeah. going to happen with two other people so it's it's truly their creation I think it's interesting that they went out and got Lewis Maul, the director. Chad, as a director, what do you do when you're handed something like this? Like you said, it just feels like the play. Like, how are you supposed to bring this to the 
screen. I thought it was an interesting challenge. Well, he did us a major favor, and Dustin is out there smiling somewhere. He cut an hour from this movie. Thank God. <laughs> wow. Mercifully. Is, mercifully. <laughs> and Wallace Shawn is mad about it, but this was wow. a three-hour movie or a nearly three-hour movie. Lizzie, did you need more of that? No. I mean, that was... <laughs> I no. I mean, I the idea of this movie being three hours long just sends shivers up my spine. I just I can't oh, imagine it being three hours long. I I appreciate the movie because you know there's a there's I always can appreciate when a movie is self aware. You know, there's kind of like a meta component to the movie because they talked about how you know how do you write a play to express the you know the human condition in this particular way you can't because in doing so all you're going to really be doing is further perpetuating the problem because you're going to deliver all these flashing lights and kind of sparkle to the audience that's just going to continue brainwashing them and so as they're talking about it it's kind of the interesting side note of what they've chosen the medium that they've chosen is just two people having dinner talking and so I really do enjoy the premise of the movie, and I think it's super interesting and thought-provoking, but the idea that this could be three hours long is preposterous. I, I could never. <laughs> well, Sean did give Lewis Malz some credit. He said he brought the warmth, that he felt the audience needed to connect with it. And it does have that. It does have that. And I think how Wallace Shawn's character handles the situation with an enormous amount of grace while they're coming back to make a point. And then they both leave civilly. In fact, I would say the world would be a lot better of a place if you could listen that long to something you don't like and then form a composed, intelligent response as Wally does in here and then still walk away friends. And we need a lot more of that in the world. Yeah, I like peanut butter. Well, I like jelly. All right, we're Kimbase friends. It's fine. Yes, we need more of that. We sure do. Unless you like Nickelback. We can't be friends. <laughs> uh, just look at this photograph. No. Uh, Every time. I, I it hate you. Not, not I hate I. you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much, Russell. I did not. <sighs> I guess we're just feeling way too good. I walked right into that. Yeah. Well, we all just want to be rock stars. It, it's not working anymore. I used to dog to animal. That was like the only song I could get behind. That is Three Days Grace. No, it's definitely Nickelback. Animals. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're... Yeah, Animal is Three Days Grace, which is better and shouldn't be in the same category. You're probably right. Yes, now I know what song you're talking about. This is how you remind me, Chad. (laughs) This disturbing amount of knowledge of Nickelback just... Really well, funny. now I have you figured out. <laughs> I figured, or sorry, now I've figured you out. You lost the reference, but I'm going to assume that's one of their songs and just be mad. It is, yes. Now I figured okay. it out. So there you go. All right. All right. Go play baseball in your bathroom. I also like the amount of discomfort that Wally's put into, by the way. That the, I think the director does a very good job in the beginning setting the table for this guy's out of his element. <laughs> that little little bit as he's on the way there, I'm dreading going here. I don't want to do this. And watching him order in the restaurant is so good. You know, he can't read the menu. He just says, I'll have what he's having. I'm with him there. 
He looks so disappointed when the French restaurant delivers these quails and he figures they would be bigger <laughs> and this isn't what he wanted. I'll admit, if you go to a French restaurant, if, if you're not prepared for that, the courses are smaller. You order more things, you get smaller things. And if you don't know that's coming and you're spending a lot of money, you do have the potential to be disappointed. And watching Wallace Shawn be disappointed, to Lizzie's point, there's something very funny about his cynicism that he has. That was my spirit animal right there. <laughs> Quail is delicious, though. I will say I've had it before. It's very good. I am not invited to places that serve quail. So, yes. Yeah. As previously mentioned, it, they often would serve it with mushrooms, probably. Yep. Gatekeeping. Rich rich people gatekeeping. Lizzie, again, handling this as a director, what would you do to be able to handle these two points of view, but to then to bring it all together at the end? Because I think they do bring it together at the end, but boy, they tested me to bring it back together. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't really know how you would do it differently. I I like the way that he did it because it would be really unrealistic to think that Wally is listening to Andre's more or less his sermon on life and then to completely just abandon everything and follow him. You know, I think um, to me, I think that the best case scenario would be that Wally walks away, maybe having a different perspective. So when he sits with his wife, instead of feeling like he's constantly needing to fill the silence, maybe just thinking twice about what Andre said and just saying, you know, maybe it's nice if my wife and I can just sit here and just earnestly enjoy each other's company in the quiet and just appreciate each other and maybe just take those moments a little bit more at face value rather than feeling that restlessness. And I think that's kind of the the hope I think that they're putting into you is that maybe Wally is starting to just digest and chew on what Andre is saying and kind of adopt that. And then hopefully Andre is um, is leaving with, you know, he's he said his piece, he said everything he wanted to say. And, uh, you know, maybe with the hope that he one day finds what he's looking for is that, you know, what I think Andre really wants is to be able to sit in a quiet room and still feel that fulfillment, not have to climb Everest. And so you don't really have a bow wrapped up on Andre, but you just kind of at least hope that that one day he figures it out. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else the director would really end it. I think this idea of two people having dinner that have completely different ideologies, I think the best that you can hope for is that they respectfully disagree and part as friends like they did. You want Andre to find that human spark. And and to Russell's point earlier about remaking this, Andre says the last human burst was in the 1960s, which was 20 years from the point of this movie. And that since then, humans have progressed towards becoming robots. I want to see how that matches up with, okay, now we've got cell phones in our face while we're eating dinner. Like, you want to see robots? Here's Facebook. Here's TikTok. Here's Instagram. What now, Andre? He's going to be reminiscing. You're like, man, the 90s were the last great burst of humankind (laughs) pre-AOL. Like I, I want to see this spark of, oh yeah, it can get worse. It can, we can get worse as a civilization. It can get worse, but I think you also, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Like right now, we just covered 
network with Russell and I did a couple weeks ago. And so there's this whole big kind of conversation there as well of what truth is and if it's, uh, if it's malleable. And I think, um, it, it kind of applies a little bit in that same context of like today's world is absolutely nothing if not more chaotic than it was 30, 40 years ago. But I think that's kind of why Wally's way of thinking is just as important. I think that Wally is kind of onto something. He just needs to tweak it a little bit where to the point that Solomon makes in Ecclesiastes is that, you know, life, the people around you, they're going to be robotic and people are going to be obsessed with likes and shares and all the things that happen on social media. And there's going to be this very plastic ideology that goes around in life, but just let that go because it doesn't matter and just keep your eyes on what's important. And if it does not matter, but do like the show on Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> and Twitter. It's we're, we're... Toy for us. So yes, I mean, very <laughs> empty, very empty, but uh, do that. Say nice things about us in our reviews. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Review, but I review think... us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Wally's perspective in that is very interesting because he thinks of himself as a genuinely good person. He's like, I have no complaints about myself. But he also says, I don't want to think about the starving kids in Africa. That makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, listen, man, if you're trying to justify yourself as a good person, don't say you don't want to think about the starving children in Africa. Right, right. Like, I get, he had that lovely line during the electric blanket monologue of trying to avoid pain and but that's a step too far and and that i i agree like there needs to be some meeting in the middle maybe not the middle but andre needs to move a lot and wally needs to (laughs) move a little like hey there is real pain out there i don't have to avoid it all i can actually give other people electric blankets like that could help give his life meaning rather than just cold coffee without cockroaches for sure yes agreed. that is that's a very good point that's a i mean i think the director does a great job without having you demonize either one of them to be honest with you i think the actors do a good job of it but i think the director doesn't <laughs> i'm pretty i would have been pretty tempted to be like i'm gonna go to the bathroom andre and then not come back <laughs> did it feel like an hour and a half long mlm scheme where he was eventually right. going to try try and sell you into this yeah exactly so i I gotta give him credit because andre for as pretentious as he is he's i mean he's a more dialed up version but i think we all have friends who have traveled exclusively and talk about or 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 that friend who went to study abroad and then comes back and then constantly tells you about how everything here sucks and then or or madonna suddenly has an accent yeah exactly like (laughs) you know just completely you know didn't you just go to France for like three months? Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's so much better there. You don't understand. It's like, no, I do understand because you've been talking about it all evening yes. at length. So Food great, even when cooked by rats. But, you know, in the same way, Andre is still, as pretentious as he is, he's still likable in a way. You still want him to get his life back on track. And like you said, Chad, I sympathize with him of like, ah, you're so discomforted. You're so starved to try and figure out what in this world makes, you know, there's this pressure to figure it out, to find something real. And, you know, you've got this 
seemingly amazing family and, and and you bring in this other figure to really hold the household together for six months or whatever. And it just was one of those moments of like, wow, you've got a family, you've got a wife who seems to love you and all of this stuff. And it just doesn't do it for him. And that's one of those things where I do feel sad for him because he's got something that gives him purpose that, you know, I think a lot of people would say he's very lucky and you want him to find the joy. And so if you don't feel that way about Andre, this movie doesn't work either. If you totally are turned off by him, if it is dinner with Kanye, you don't feel sorry for him. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that is, that's such a good job. I got to say, this was a bleak version of New York that they shot. And it was funny. It's a low budget flick and they shot it in an abandoned hotel in Richmond, Virginia in the winter time. And it's so low budget. They didn't have heat in this abandoned hotel, and they they tried to offset things by cognac uh, yes. f- for them uh, as they were eating. It doesn't really show. They're not getting too sloppy, but and the crew is having it as well, and they're wearing ski clothes, and it's really that cold in there and wearing long underwear. I can't imagine shooting a movie that cold because, I mean, your body just tenses up and you just are not yourself. I mean, you can't do all the things that you would normally do. You can't express your face. You can't sing. You can't adjust your voice. Like, you're just stiff and rigid. And, man, I got to give these guys credit. I had no indication that they were cold the whole time. But you're leaving out the best part of that story, Russell. They had and electric blankets. Yes, they had electric blankets. Oh, they had electric blankets. They did. They did. The That's crew had to resort how, to it. Uh, how meta. That is now a luxury venue, by the way. Like you can now have dinner at the same place. It's uh, it was modeled after the Cafe de Artistes in New York City, but in this Jefferson Hotel in Richmond, Virginia, it's now no longer abandoned. Luxury dinner. Yep, but they do. You do need to bring your own electric blanket, though. Uh, they should allow it. There should be little plugs right beside it. And if they don't have quail on the menu, I'm very disappointed. All fancy restaurants are known to have outlets, so you can just plug in. They really love it when you do that. Yes. Or at least a pheasant or something like that. So Some kind of fowl that's not chicken. That waiter's reaction to, every, to Wally basically saying, I can't read this and explain it to me, is my fear. Anytime we go to a place that has more than two forks, like, I don't know what this third fork is for. <laughs> Keep working your way outside in. I, for what? To what purpose? I, do, I don't understand why there are three of them. And it's uh, the Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec. It's like, I don't know what anyone's talking about. At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. <laughs> oh, I did Cotillion in... It goes salad, dinner, dessert. You just go mm-hmm. outside to inside. You make a, next time you're at a fancy restaurant, make two okay signs. This will work for the listeners as well. Make two okay signs, okay? So you, your left hand makes a B and your right hand makes a D. That's how you always know where you, which one is your bread plate and which one is your, which drink is yours. Because sometimes when you're sitting around a table and all of the glasses kind of intertwine, you don't always know what side your is yours. Have you ever done that where you sit down and you're like, wait, which water is mine? Is this my yeah. water? Or is this your I water? Like it. It's always on. I drink from my left side, though. This is I'm breaking all the Cotillion rules. I drink from my left side. 
Yep. Nope. That's the cotillion roll. Mm-hmm. So bread and beverage. Wait a minute. This doesn't work. Anymore. Right. I'm confused. And... <laughs> Beer, dessert. I don't, you know. <laughs> no. I, I get asked to leave these places. No, you don't. Ditkas wouldn't let me in because I wouldn't wear a tie. Apparently that's the thing. Also, you weren't wearing a bear's uniform, I think. I'd like to think it's probably not true, but I'd like to think that they make sure that you wear something. I had, to get I had no idea. And I had I went in, I was like, it's a place owned by night Mike Ditka. How fancy could it be? We'll go have a burger. Apparently it's a very fancy dress code restaurant. And I was confused and wanted to argue. Don't call it Ditka's. If you require a dress code, call it fancy place Chad shouldn't go. Fancy place. <laughs> fancy place Chad. I love a fancy restaurant, but I also really, really can mess around with McDonald's. I, I'm a fast food queen. Nothing quite beats a burger and fries from, well, yeah. from a drive-thru. <laughs> well, you have kids. Yeah. yeah I sure that's... do. Yeah, I have three of them. That gets the job done. <laughs> I really enjoy a nice night at a fancy restaurant, but when the bill comes, it does sting a little bit. You're just yes. like – Man, this was a form of entertainment. Like this is like the cost right. of like, you know, a concert, night out, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. this is like your your a really nice meal is a fast burn rate for That's entertainment. Make food into the movie theater, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is good, and you like it a lot, and you wish you could eat it more. So, uh, to Lizzie's point, there is one little thing in the back of my head because I also like the simple things of simple food that's really great like i could eat out every night this week right for the cost I, of this one meal i could have 14 <laughs> double cheeseburgers for the cost of this steak okay. how dare you and, and we have just we have lost the foodies all the foodies are just they're out <laughs> like how dare you yeah, it's great like mcdonald's foodies like mcdonald's and they if do. you think you're too good you're lying you're not yes. Jim Gaffigan, everybody's got their McDonald's. When you pay that bill, you, it is good. But like I said, it takes away a little bit to sit there and go like, I could eat Chipotle five nights for the price of this. And I would have to cook right. no nights. And I could eat Chipotle five nights. I could, I could one and done for me. Chipotle is like a, it's a niche taste. Taco Bell, $5 box. Gets 100%. Me. I, can, <laughs> I can mess around with Taco Bell. <laughs> Please endorse us, Taco Bell. Five dollars. We're discouraging people from we spending. We have money. talked good about Taco Bell an awful Cheesy lot. Cheesy gordita crunches, right? Yeah. All day, every day, one hundred percent. We're not proud. We have ad spaces. Come on, Taco Bell. <laughs> right. Give us that burrito money. Run for the border, right? <laughs> oh, shameless. That's not their. That's not their slogan anymore, though. But we're a retro show, so that works perfectly. See, that's the retro slogan. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, well done for all the people 20 years ago. That yeah. I, I advertised for the Taco Bells with the brown sign. Like, the third like, meal? Yeah. Like, yeah. We're not third talking meal. about the teal and purple Taco Bells. We're talking about the Taco Bells before that, that had like a yellow, green, and red and brown signs. And then the inside was. Oh, yeah. 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 Now they're all bougie and fancy. The Taco Bell by our house is like a cantina. It's fancy. Yeah. Schmancy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would. <laughs> no, I like that. It stinks. Solid three minutes to Taco Bell. I think a solid three minutes to Taco Bell was. was needed. This this was our Andre moment. It's like they were talking about electric blankets. About electric blankets, and that went really fast to Taco Bell. Yeah. 
uh, I found myself wanting the staff and the waiter. The, the restaurant is zoomed in, and honestly, they're they're they are shooting in an abandoned restaurant, so they're doing their best to give it the look of a real restaurant. But the tight the shots are tight. They're on their faces a lot. They're over the shoulder a lot. They're very that 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 will suck you in and make you feel part of the conversation. But I I can't help but think it's part of necessity too. When you are shooting a conversation the whole time, if you don't have any panning shots across the table, if you don't pivot the camera, it becomes a little bit confined. And I do think the camera made you feel like you were part of the conversation. The actors kept you involved and it did suck you in. But as a human being in a conversation, your eyes will periodically, even if you're paying attention to the person you're talking to, it's just human nature. You got to look in the distance sometimes. And I felt like there was some times where I just wanted a little bit of relief. And maybe that's just because I wanted some relief from Andre. So oh. I, I wanted to stare off in the distance myself it, at times. It depends on who I'm with. If my wife is there, my eyes are there. She's the only person in the room because oh. she listens to this podcast. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Oh. <laughs> A plus for that one. <laughs> I understand Russell. Though. Like. I am definitely looking away at any point of his uh, his weird Hitler Jewish comments. Like, yeah. is is anybody else hearing this? Is that old grouchy waiter? Is- <laughs> yeah, that, that was my, why are there not more face reactions from the waiter? I was disappointed in that. <laughs> I like, was I- really expecting that. Well, like Gary Marshall, for example, his style was so playful, and so he has several movies like Pretty Woman and. Princess Diaries, where there's these super fancy dining scenes, and the wait staff kind of almost play into the fact that the protagonist has no idea what they're doing. You know, Julie Roberts is trying to use her smallest fork to open up the escargot, and it goes flying, and the waiter catches it, and that happens in all of every, almost every single one of his movies. There's some kind of silly dining scene, and I had originally imagined maybe it was because of the waiter's playful mustache or the kind of the way he scowled at Wally for not being able to read the menu. I fully anticipated (laughs) that that was the direction that this movie was going to go in, that this wait staff was going to play, he was going to play a much larger role than just an extra more or less. It would have been great for him to wander over and without a word, just wander off whenever Andre's ranting about the blue <laughs> minotaur that appeared at Christmas mass <laughs> with violets growing out of its feet. Just raise eyebrows and slowly, maybe even just back up, walk away. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm going to head out. 5150 this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I only ask this question early, but Chad, is this a comedy? Because no. it's listed as a comedy drama, and I know this this normally will rub you the wrong way. If it's a heavy drama with little light bits of comedy, this is normally a recipe for Chad to walk out of there going, you know, you know, napkin thrown down on the floor saying, I'm leaving. So the difference is I got to that description after I watched this movie. Had I watched this movie or seen that description ahead of time, we would be having the just ever-present sideways rant. Everyone's heard my rant. I do it. Constantly. It's a good movie. It is not. And it's a worse movie because it was hailed as a comedy and it's not funny. It's not a comedy, but it no. is a good movie. So this, yeah, I would never go in. I don't know how I would describe this movie, but I certainly wouldn't say comedy. And that's, there are slightly funny things that happen from time to time, but some of it was just based off of 
the architects with a floating roof. And I'm thinking, did this dude design the Tamarack? This is, this is a very strange building in West Virginia that we've described as being built for the sole purpose of, so the aliens know where to land. It's a very strange structure. And uh, so that stuff is funny to me. Or when Blue it's Minotaur's. a cultural center, by the way, for all those non-West Virginians listening. So it's a, yeah. But it's a strange looking roof and structure altogether. It could have been designed by a children's author. I don't know. I don't know, but you can Google it out there if you're not familiar with Tamarack. So there you go. Um, I like the story that somebody I knew who went to a camp drove through West Virginia to get to the camp that we were actually at. And they thought that all of the rest stops in West Virginia were as nice as Tamarack. And they said, your rest stops are nice, man. I said, really? And they're like, yeah, we stopped at one in like Beckley. And it was so nice. They had like upscale restaurants and art being for sale. And I'm like, Oh, you stopped at Tamarack. <laughs> yes, they're all like that. Yes. All of the rest stops are like that. <laughs> we serve quail. We serve quail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I think it's interesting that Andre is not... I guess I guess he's been broken out of this world of high society, so he still likes this restaurant. How did how did Andre come to this restaurant? Is what I want to know. Like he doesn't seem dressed more formally, like somebody who likes the pomp and circumstance. I don't think I don't think Andre would pick this restaurant in New York City. He seems like the kind of guy who would pick some random shawarma place or something really exotic that would make Wally uncomfortable by like eating Indian food when he doesn't want to branch out or something like that. This restaurant doesn't feel like Andre's choice to me. I agree. I think it feels a little paradoxical that he wants to eat at such a bougie restaurant. I think I imagine exactly like you said, like along came Polly where Jennifer Aniston drags Ben Stiller. <laughs> Ethiopian, yes. Yeah, his, his IBS acts up. Or, or even a mom and pop's diner and or just something that is kind of removed from – because, I mean, I'm sure the quail is delicious, but people I, – I think there's two components to fine dining. You go for really good food, but you also go for the ambiance and kind of the entire mm-hmm. experience altogether. But I think somebody that is trying to make a point about – really finding the true richness in life and it not being about the glitz and the glamour, then you really wouldn't care right. about a nice restaurant. You would be like, well, if all I care about is eating good food, I can get good food at a ton yeah. of different places. A soul food kitchen or something like that. Yes. It don't require me to wear a coat and tie. So I, I, I well, he's do not wearing a coat and tie will... either. No. Yes. But they, don't they make Wally put one on in the beginning or is he already wearing his brown jacket he's I, got his tan jacket on doesn't he from the get-go I mean, yeah just okay he's very he's trying hard like he's got the white shirt like yes. you know he's not like there shows insecurity the black tie like he goes probably maybe a little bit overboard stiff like and that that fits wally so well with his wardrobe of like it does um, i think i'm gonna just dress up and like this whole thing is uncomfortable for me this this tie that i wear three times a year is uncomfortable to me and somehow wallace sean exudes all of that so yeah um, I, I just took it as i mean he's still trying to show off it's still a fancy restaurant but i think he andre is trying to ground himself again he's trying to return back to that old life and back to when mm, he felt something happier. and so while he's still showing off he's not trying to go full-on eccentric with this that's a great 
that's, that's a, a that's a good possibility. Like in in reaching out to an old friend, he's trying to rekindle something that may have made him happy at one point in time. Hmm. I'll buy that. Music. Lack Once. thereof. <laughs> I was gonna say they didn't have any money. They didn't have any money to purchase a lot of music. So yeah, um, they they play the piano at an hour and forty eight minutes. That is the yeah. first time we hear music. Nice restaurants have people playing the piano in them quite often. So I felt like the atmosphere in this restaurant was empty. So they, they probably just tuned it out. I assume the piano was playing that whole time, and just we finally are allowed to hear it. Did I just not notice this? There's probably something in the opening shots of someone pounding away on the piano, but yeah, it it just it's like everything lifts. It's right after Andre's last line of "Where where's that sun?" which is a very confusing line, by the way. But and then the piano uh, comes in, and we see that the restaurant yes. is completely empty. Yes, that is true. I don't know. I felt like I I keep wanting to make this funnier than it is, and that's my problem. So you I think they're trying to play them out? <laughs> yeah, I would think you could use musical notes. You could use musical notes to, like when Andre says something particularly audastic, like the music could like falter a beat as if like, <laughs> like the piano guy might even hear it or just like the song like stops abruptly. You can use music to get laughs in more direct or indirect ways. And I keep, I find Wallace Shawn to be funny, even though he's not trying to be hilarious. There's something just wired into me that says, this Wallace Shawn guy is a riot. <sighs> Everything he does is funny. And yeah. I, I can't tell you how happy I was when he just said the word inconceivable in passing. He's not saying it with the emphasis that he is when Princess Bride. Right. But I threw my hands up. He's like, he's a, she's just inconceivable, which is a good word. Like, that's a nice word. And I was like, yay, he said it. <laughs> you could certainly jazz it up with the music if... If nothing else, Wallace Shawn, whenever he exclaims, when Wally exclaims, they, he put a swastika on your flag? Like, <laughs> you hear that record scratch? <laughs> yes, that's, you know, these little things may seem oh, yeah. cheap and hammy, but I like them and I I want the comedy in this one. I would lean into <laughs> some of this a little bit more with Andre at times. And the facial reactions of Wallace Shawn are fantastic when he just looks at him, furrows his brow and like his mm -hmm. lip gets a little bit stiff and like, huh? Like, yeah, he even does that after the insane roof, the floating roof that no one understands. And he's like, architects don't know. And Wally, his reply was perfect. He just goes, yep. <laughs> and then they move on. I kind of like the absence of, of music. I feel like it gets, it achieves the point because I think the writer, director, everybody kind of behind the machine of this movie is really trying to, I think get you to kind of marry both ideologies and just really walk away with not necessarily changing your your thought process, but at least kind of marinating on just what you've just heard. So I think the lack of music is really trying to just help you focus on that purely. And then I like the piano afterwards because the piano music itself is super ambiguous. Like it's to Chad's point, like it's not telling you how you're supposed to feel. It's just this very kind of generic, almost like what just happened kind of piano <laughs> that's playing. And which I imagine is probably exactly how Wally felt. I bet he left that dinner like I don't I don't know if I feel uplifted or pissed off or 
you know, relieved. I, I got, I got relief in his voice. Like, I don't know how I feel. Maybe I feel every, all of those things all rolled into one. And so it's, I, I liked that the music kind of was slightly confusing in that way as well. He has that great line of, I don't want to give up my electric blanket, Andre. <laughs> Thus he has dug his heels in. Funny enough, <laughs> that's actually been a topic of discussion between my husband and I like before I watched this movie is that I want a heated blanket and my husband really doesn't. <laughs> and we're like kind of in like an argument of so if we should get a heated blanket or not. It helped us out. They make mattress pads with a, with a where you can turn each side on individually. Ooh, okay, that might be the winner. I I just want to be warm. Like I'm that freak that sleeps with socks on and like I just yeah. love being warm and toasty at night while Aaron is like he wants like to almost be cold and mm-hmm. so we just can never quite find that perfect balance. Yeah, I I um I also like I also like it warm at night. So I uh, I just don't like it as warm as Mary does. So we both can like I'm more of a level three person and she's more of a level six person. And that works out quite nicely. Yeah, they come okay. to our house in Parkas. They are just so cold. <laughs> uh, well, why don't we handle some superlatives, you guys? Sounds good. Let's do it. So much to choose from. MVP. All <laughs> Sean, I understand his parts a whole lot smaller than... Uh, Andre's, but you know what? His reactions, particularly towards the end of the film, there's so much subtle acting going on with Wally. I think it, I was grounded in this movie and clinging to what's Wally going to do in response to this. So he, he was what I clung to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lizzie, MVP. I put him too, almost for the exact reasons that you did. Chad, I also wrote down grounding. I just think that his performance felt much more rooted and whether regardless of whether or not I completely agreed with him or completely agree with Andre, there was just something about his energy that just, I mean, it's the perfect word. It was just was very rooted and grounded and, and humble. And I appreciated his performance so much. I'm going to be a third one on this one and go with Wallace Shawn. I just liked the actor for one because he drew me in. I was intrigued for war this because of him, but you know, subtly what he has to do with very little physically is actually really important, just as Lizzie said. And I don't want to take that for granted. He makes all those reactions count really well. And, you know, I think Andre Gregory actually does a really good job too, by the way. So I'm, I've run down the character as wanting to be somebody I don't want to be around, but that's what you're supposed to play. And he nailed it. So. Yeah. Uh, best supporting, which is a strange superlative to give in the sake case because there really isn't any support. But Chad, gee, I wonder who I will pick. Yeah, Andre Gregory. He's our only other actor, but he had an un- important part here. He's also our second writer, along with Wallace Shawn. So, kudos to him. He's technically first build, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So, not really a supporting character. It's Lizzie, are you taking the same road through this? I am. I think love him or hate him, he understood the assignment and he did a really good job with what he had. And I actually think that throughout his whole diatribe, he actually did make a lot of really profound points kind of mixed in between his crazy stories. And uh, <laughs> and he just, I think 
he played that eccentric role very, very well. I, I will really agree with something you've said a couple of times. When, when you peel back the layers and you finally get into what he's actually saying, there is more value there. And I was so quick to dismiss it the first viewing. That's why I didn't get the full amount of it. When I had a chance to really sit there and go like, well, nope, that is a good point. You've said so many things that are wrong. It's hard to <laughs> it's 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 hard to come back and be like, that's a good point. But it is. And you're right. He has good content here, too. And there are moments where you do start to sit there and go like, OK, Wallace Shawn might be a little bit too introverted or too isolationist or too selfish in in his pursuits. But, you know, as Chad put it well, somebody has to adjust a little bit, a couple steps to the middle and the other guy has to step several, several, several <laughs> steps towards the middle to get to get recalibrated. But without without um, Andre Gregory doing a good job of that, you wouldn't see that. And I think that's the beauty of this. You know, neither one of them is right. I think you put it really well early on, Lizzie. So I think Andre Gregory's performance really does hold that up. And he does have to walk a fine line between being so despicable and just unenjoyable, but to still have the warmth. And he does have the warmth. He is a compelling, his enthusiasm comes through, even though he is a horrible storyteller with all of his details. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, and lack of focus. That's the other thing. I just, I would have been like, can you stay on target for just a minute? <laughs> how, do, how do we end up in, in the Sahara Desert? Weren't we just in Poland? Like, how did this happen? Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to hear about that couple you're talking about. Back to the performance that you were describing. <laughs> I I genuinely think I would have, at least on one of his stories, that I could have summed that up in five sentences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like ran us back and forth naked, attempted to bury us alive, flipping weird. Then we danced. Hidden gem, Chad. Wally Sean's partner, Deborah Eisenberg. She's the dark haired diner that Wally sees while he's waiting for Andre. So he got his partner in this movie. Wonderful. And you could miss it, actually. Yes. Yeah, she has no speaking parts. And Lizzie. Uh, going second is hard on this. But are there any hidden gems left? Um, this one's super random, but I I put the bread basket at their table that they were eating. I <laughs> uh, little known fact about me is that if I'm eating at a nice restaurant, and by nice I mean anything that's like a step up from an Applebee's, I suppose I want a bread basket. That's gonna be my make or break. Like I want a like a roll with some butter or uh, maybe maybe even like a honey butter. It's really a make or break mm. for me. It just ups the experience. And I got to say their bread basket looked divine and I caught myself eyeing it down several times. <laughs> just being like, would you just look at that baguette? So that was my hidden gem. All right. It was a cold baguette though. It's, so yeah. No. Hopefully no cockroaches. Yes. I am stuck because Chad took my hidden gem. I'm going to say tiny quails. There's my hidden tiny gem. <laughs> they weren't tiny. Those were normal sized quails. Say, I don't think there's any such thing as a tiny quail. I think they're just. I thought they'd be a little bit bigger than this. <laughs> recast, Chad. And this could be interesting if you were to just. Uh, let's let's do our normal recast game, but I might make a second pass on this and just say, like, if you were to remake this again today. Who might you want to put in there? But if you had to recast somebody and put somebody else in their place, 
let's do it the right way first. Chad. So Roy Butler is our bartender here, and he did a fine job reminding Wally that whatever drink he asked for that they didn't have, here was, here was the alternative. He did his part. But there was a film released in 1981 alongside this movie called Evil Dead. And <laughs> it stars Bruce Campbell. And I want Bruce as our bartender here. Okay. Okay. I've done a fine job. I think he could easily say, sir, we don't have that. I think he could. Doesn't he play one, uh, a bartender himself or not? Oh no, it's a waiter in uh, Spider-Man, right? Yes. He, yeah. he is like the uh, maitre d' But yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does fine dining. Yes, yes, he does fine dining well. Good choice. Yes, excellent. Yeah. Lizzie. I would have replaced the waiter as well, but I thought because they're in a stuffy French restaurant, I wanted to see a stuffy French waiter. <laughs> and I remember in high school seeing the movie My Father the Hero. And it had Gerard Depardieu in it. He was also in Man in the Iron Mask. And I mean he's been in a lot of stuff, but that's just predominantly where I remember him from. So I thought, let's just put a stuffy French man in the role so that he can just play the part of the waiter. <laughs> all, the, all the better. That would be good. I went bigger. I went fishing bigger here. I'm sorry. I, I, Andre Gregory, he did a good job. But what if Christopher Walken played Andre Gregory? It would be so distracting for me. It would be. <laughs> the stories would take twice as long. That's your three-hour movie. Swastikas. <laughs> <laughs> In the same way that Wallace Shawn makes me smile with how he speaks and just what he does, I think I could. I think I could manage. So we tried to get ahead from the morgue. And in my mind, I'm like, that's illegal. That is desecration of a corpse. You cannot do that for your theater play. It would just be good, you know. I mean, I think everything that he says would be great. Beehive, <laughs> a flag. Really I mean, could you see him saying Grotowski? Like, that would be great. Uh, Grotowski. Chiquita. My wife. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but, <laughs> but, but, but he is a good actor. That's the other thing. Yeah. So I think, I think the warmth and the eccentric nature, because I said, who does eccentric well at this time period? Walken. You're right about that, for sure. You know what? Everything, everywhere, all at once just won an Oscar somewhere in that universe along with the hot dog universe is Christopher Walken doing my dinner with Andre. So <laughs> my dinner with Walken, I'm up for it. Yeah. That, that would be very entertaining. If you were to do this again, different, different assignment than usual. Can you think of anybody you would want to do this again with? If you're doing my dinner with Andre remaking it today. Man, remaking it today. I'm still sticking with walking as my. <laughs> the, the pick still stands, by the way. It stands for itself. I don't know. I think I'm. I might put like a Joel McHale in the Andre role. I feel like he can pull off smug and pretentious, but also a little bit damaged. Okay, I might I want think... Patton Oswalt to do oh, Wally. That's a good one. Yes, that's that is a good one. I think I'd want Will Ferrell to be my my Wally because I saw him in my I, I think I'm gonna get the show name incorrect, but there's some show where he gets manipulated by his therapist and he is Strange Than Fiction? No, it's it's a it's a series, but he oh, does series. such a great job at it and he's 
he still has that kind of childlike nature to him that I think would lend itself to Wally. But then I think I'm, I'm borrowing from the secret life of Walter Mitty because I would put Sean Penn as yes. Andre. For sure. that, would, that, that, that is pretty good too. That, really that is well. perfect. Yes. yes. Yeah. I like that. Best shot. I restricted palette again, Chad. I honestly thought there were a couple of good shots, but I'm going to pick just because of, it was the Halloween story, this crazy, insane, buried alive. But the close-up shot of Andre's face, it's very close. It's dark. It lingers on his face like he's telling a ghost tale. And so it was a nice touch for ba- being buried alive. Lizzie, nice. how about you? You know, I the very opening shot, uh, just because, again, I hadn't watched the trailer or really knew much about what to expect for this movie. So just that one shot, it's low to the ground and it meets uh, across the, Wally is across the street and he's just, all it really is is just him walking towards the camera. I thought that was really interesting and kind of understated, which plays to really the, like the entirety of the movie in and of itself. I thought that was an, an interesting scene not to know really what's going to come next. That was a very cold open with yes. just his footsteps. Yes. I'm going to go at the end of the movie as we see Wally departing. There's a sense of relief in him as he's outside and he's back. He's entering his comfort zone again. He's left this world that he's he's talking about. How, I'm going to go home and, you know, eat with Debbie. Yes. You know, like, you know, he, he just he just ate and he wants to eat again. And but he's back in his city and it's it's not even a nice night as he gets into his taxi cab that he's going to treat himself to. Uh, it's just one of those moments of we see the bigness of the city and we see him going back to the things that give him comfort. And in essence, it's a nice ending. I just, I felt like these shots were a nice way to end. It's a hard movie to end in my opinion. How do you get out of it? And in some ways you could have left with them shaking hands and hitting the door, but I'm glad they put this extra piece in there. Yeah, me too. Uh, best best scene, which again, the whole movie's kind of a long scene, but uh, find a scene within the scene and uh, Chad, best scene. I think Wally's story, and it's his second story, about his electric blanket. It just, I really can appreciate that perspective of just, he's a simple man and he's trying to seek out a little bit of comfort and pleasure in life and... He describes it as, I'm avoiding pain. Like, I don't want to experience the cold. I have an electric blanket. And I, I thought it was a just great metaphor for everything they were trying to do. Nice one. Lizzie. So that was originally what I had as well. But in the spirit of doing something different, I think my second favorite was the first time that you really hear Wally speak is where he and Andre, they agree on something finally, and um, where they talk about how people are speaking in codes, how no one is ever really saying what they actually feel. And Wally is digesting what Andre is saying. He gets it. And he's like, yeah, you're totally right. You know, I was in this play once and I had these people coming up to me. I was supposed to wear this big cat head and I was (laughs) not sure what, what play it was for other than he has cats, but he, uh, he's like, I was in this play and I didn't have the cat head until ahead of time. And everybody's coming up to me sharing their negative experiences. And what other reason would they have 
to tell me that other than to trip me up. And I know it's not really basically what he's trying to get at is this idea that everyone's always projecting. And I thought that was interesting, but also really refreshing to finally hear Wally speak and to get his his general take on things. But I can also really appreciate what he's trying to say, this idea that we're always speaking in codes and no one's ever really freely expressing how they feel. And I found that to be really, really interesting. Yeah, the one in eight people that would tell him he he would look terrible. Andre looked yes. terrible. Or seven of the eight would say he looked great. He's like, I, I appreciated that one person. Yes, yes. Which I can I think we on some level we all can relate to what that must what that feels like and, and appreciate that. Yeah, just don't be that person all the time. You can't right. be constantly <laughs> hey, hey Lizzie Russell, like you you might wanna get treat yourself or something. You guys look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's all audio. Uh <laughs> faces for radio. That's right. My scene is very similar to that. It's when Molly finally breaks the silence after a long run of silence. The movie gets a lot more interesting here. Wally engages, yeah, yeah, Wally engages the conversation about an hour into this movie. And we have a much better, much more rich movie because Wally's an interesting person too. And conversations are interesting when exchanging ideas go back and <laughs> forth and it's not a lecture. So I would say that this was a real perk up for me. And it, I liked it that it is. I, I, and it also is a great moment where he as gently as one can goes, I, I don't really know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. um, as then he starts to go through recounting a lot of what he said and refuting it. So I got to say that was a great moment. So best wardrobe or makeup moment. I know it's a restricted palette again, Chad. Well, it's Sean's hair. I he, he's, he says he's 36 here, and I I looked this up. He's 38 at the time of this movie. Oh wow! And this is the look they went to show you what a 36 year old should look like. So, four hundred and seventy five thousand did not go to a hairdresser. No. Yep. That and, makes me uh, feel really old. I'll be 35 this year. I don't want to think that that's what I'm supposed to look like. I, I that's not what any of us look like. <laughs> I just turned 38 and I do sometimes and uh, I'm, I'm having the opposite feeling of like, at least I'm not looking like that. So, right, yeah. you know, I mean, you haven't gone with the monk haircut yet. Not yet. Not yet. It, it's coming. It's coming. It's, I'm fighting it. It's coming my way, but I'm going to fight it. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Lizzie, best wardrobe or makeup moment? I put the brown, Wally's brown jacket. To me, that just is like the most 80s classic sports coat there could be. I just, it felt like the most quintessential 80s jacket. Also very safe for yes. Wally. Like, yes. you know, it's a non-statement pick. So it's very suiting of him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say the difference and Wally and Andre is my best wardrobe moment. You have Andre who just, there's a casualness of like an ease of, I'm wearing this because I'm underdressed and I don't care, you know? And there's this, it's it goes with the attitude of like, yeah, none of this is real anyway, kind of. And I'll eat here if I want to, they'll serve me. I'll, I have money. And, um, you know, he's not like a total slob. So it's believable that this is just comfortable for him. And the discomfort that you see in Wally, which is indicative of how he feels about the whole night. So 
I, I don't know how much money they didn't have hardly any money to pay a wardrobe department. So I'm assuming they just picked it themselves. But, um, you know, I think they picked wisely. Uh, change one thing. Chad. It completely defeats the purpose of this movie, but I think I would have liked Andre to just take even the smallest step towards Wally's perspective. Maybe concede like a point or two instead of just arguing with everything Wally says. And maybe even he's like, you know what? My apartment has gotten pretty cold. Maybe I'll look into an electric blanket. Just give me that. No, he's going to stay safe in his little sanctuary colony. (laughs) (sighs) With the 40 people that play an instrument but can't speak English. It was beautiful. Gosh. (laughs) If a place starts out like that, I'm out. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. If you made this today, is Andre more hipster than he is? Yes. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or if you make it earlier, is he obnoxiously hippie? You might be getting the most tolerable time period to get an Andre. That is a fascinating point. There's like a bro movie... Um, oh my gosh, it's like completely lost me on, on what it's called, but it's got, uh, Michael B. Jordan and Zach Efron and Miles Teller. And they're just like these out of college bros and how Miles Teller is able to land a girl to come home with him for the night. He's like, you know, sometimes I just like walk around the city without shoes because like, don't you ever like, you know, want to know what it feels like to just be homeless you know do you ever experience that feeling where you just need to know (laughs) like that kind of and like the whole moment is supposed to be like this ugh kind of moment but the fact that Andre like has that energy but with total earnest and uh, so it made me laugh kind of reminded me of that nice Lizzie change one thing I would make the movie shorter (laughs) (laughs) the honorary Dustin change one thing (laughs) I don't think that this movie really has any business being two hours even. The idea <laughs> that when you said that it was almost three, I just about jumped out of my skin. I, I, I think this movie could have been 70 minutes easy. Like I think that they could have trimmed so much fat from what Andre was trying to say. He told one or two interesting stories. I think you could have cut out all of the, you know, anti-Semitic remarks that just do not hold up and you could have cut out so much of just the randomness. They didn't hold up then either. That's the point. <laughs> I know. Yeah. There weren't, they didn't work then. And just, but I think, I think you were going to cut out so much just because I, I think the only purpose of them is to just show how just out of kind of whack Andre is. And you want to set this overall tone of him just being so disconnected from reality to then be kind of snapped back of him being like, but it's for a reason because I'm actually alive and to, for them to carry into that diatribe. And I just, I think they could have gotten there a lot faster. That's a great point. And my change one thing is Wally needs to talk more. In the first <laughs> third of the movie, it's not a conversation. He's interesting. And if he injects more than just questions, then we'll get more than just this you know, empty, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And the first half half an hour of the movie is pretty empty because you're not getting the real Andre. You're getting this front of, you know, like like she said, it's just 
this movie is interesting because it's a concept between connections and disconnections. And, you know, they're each connecting and disconnecting to reality and people in, in different ways. And they have different problems. It doesn't become evident until they both start talking and making points. So I'm with Lizzie in many ways. I'm kind of doing what Lizzie said, but just I'm saying, yeah. give this guy some lines earlier, which is probably going to shorten the movie, ironically, even though I'm putting more words into it. So that just lets Andre talk less. Best quote, Chad. I really think of myself quite smugly. <laughs> just a great Wallace Shawn line. Yeah. And Lizzie, best quote. I, I'm actually going with an Andre quote. I liked the quote, if you're just operating by habit, then you're not really living. I think that like him or not, I think that's it's a really profound point. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely something to marinate on. I like when Wallace Shawn says, we can't be direct. So we end up saying the weirdest things. <laughs> See, I thought you had alluded to it earlier. I thought you were going to go with, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I don't really know what you're talking about, which is <laughs> how is I felt the entire movie. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. You know what? That probably should be my pick. But I actually felt like this line was something that I felt myself. People either are so worried about hurting somebody's feelings or how they'll be perceived or whatever. They don't say what they mean. Mm. And I'm not somebody who sits there and reads how somebody's feeling particularly well. So I wish they would just tell me. So I often find myself sitting there going like, well, if you felt that way, why didn't you say so? So I find that out often. So when that, when that line hit, I was like, yes, that's, (laughs) that's true. All right. We've come full circle. And on a five-star scale with half star intervals, We've all said we don't know what to make of this movie, but now it's time that we make it. Chat. This is my dealer's choice, and I'm still not sure if I feel bad about it or not. I'm going to give this like the most confused four stars I'll ever give, because I I genuinely don't know that I like this movie. I, I respect what it was trying to do. Maybe other people are connecting with Andre. I would be fascinated in having a dinner with someone that connected with Andre and was like, He's really speaking to me, even through all this gibberish. But there's nothing else like it. There's, uh, I'm going four stars because why not, I guess. And Lizzie. You know, I went four stars as well. Oh, my I goodness. Think, um, I did. I think that it's, uh, it's an interesting thought piece in the sense that, you know, watching this movie, it really does yield really interesting conversation and it really just kind of gets to the nitty gritty of, you know, what what are we doing here and, and what's this about? And I think that's I, – I can really dig that and I really appreciate and respect this movie for being so quiet yet so loud at the same time. But I will not give it a five because I just don't think that this movie has any rewatchability to it. I think that this is like a – you watch right. it, and then I'm just going to carry on with my life. Like I will never. You're not going to get. You're not going to get all your friends together and be like, "We're watching every dinner yes, <laughs> like, with Andre." Guys, we're in for a treat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that. It's like it's ladies' night. Are we watching Magic Mike? Oh no. 
like bringing like champagne and cookies and like all the things that make it seem like we're going to really have a great night. And then just don't tell anybody. You just have the cold open of Wally walking. To yeah. It's better than pitch perfect. I promise. <laughs> oh man, of, I lose what, all my clout. I was going to say, one of your friends would look over to you at the 30 or 40 minute mark and be like, Lizzie, you're losing your pick in the next like. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, would they last that long? <laughs> Just, I just want to let you know, I'll finish this movie, but you don't get to pick. <laughs> like the next time it's your turn to pick, you lose your turn like a Monopoly. That's how. <laughs> like turn it off. Let's, let's turn on Pretty Woman. And uh, yeah, I just no rewatchability whatsoever in my opinion. All right. I am in a rare position where I'm the low man on this one. I'm going to go with the three stars. And I find that the conversation about it is actually even more interesting than the movie itself. I feel like it's an interesting, thought-provoking piece, and it makes me want to have a conversation about this movie that's a conversation. But to your point, Lizzie, I think you nailed something. I don't really want to rewatch this movie, necessarily. <laughs> it's long, and it's it's a little bit arduous. And I, the, arduous is not a word that I want to use for something that I particularly get excited about. So it's very thoughtful. It's very well made. It's totally unique. I totally respect it, and I get why Ebert likes it i get why it has a super high rating and i don't i'm not unhappy that i saw it at all i just don't think that i have a quote-unquote great time i didn't in nor was it a gateway of like blowing my mind of like whoa i view the world differently now either so that's uh like chad said there were just too many times where i felt like andre you could have said that it's so much less time this could have been an email <laughs> this could have been an email <laughs> So, oh, uh, Chad, do you want to help me pick a movie for next time? I would love to. So after the small scale movie, we're ready for some big 90s action adventure. Option one, Hook from 1991. When Captain James Hook kidnaps the children and adult Peter Pan must return to Neverland and reclaim his useful spirit in order to challenge his old enemy. Option two, The Fifth Element from 1997. In the colorful future, a cab driver unwittingly becomes the central figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep the evil Mr. Zorg at bay. It's better than that sounds. <laughs> Option three, the mummy from 1999. An archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanoptra. No, let's try again. That An is. archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanoptra. It's not a question. An okay. <laughs> An archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanoptera, an American serving in the French Foreign Legion accidentally awakens the mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his long-lost love. Also better than it sounds. Fantastic movie, but we haven't done sci-fi in forever, so the fifth element it is. Not the fourth element. No, not the sixth either. One, two, five. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, you guys. And uh, <laughs> we made it 90 minutes talking about a movie. Ooh, we, we did, did it. it. <laughs> we did it. And thank you all the Lords, Ladies, and Knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So give us all of your empty subscribes and your empty reviews that mean nothing, as we said earlier in the episode. So Validate uh, us. Yes, we need that. So uh, proliferate the show by going on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora. Subscribe, rate. YouTube channel. We're there too. Give us a subscribe there. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. 
and emails at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And producing and providing this podcast is fun, but not free. So we invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash retromovieroundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, the listener. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Lizzie? Rufio, Rufio, Rufio.